are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. It is good to worship together on this Pentecost Sunday. Do you know what my greatest need is on this Pentecost Sunday when we celebrate God's gift of His Holy Spirit? The greatest need in my life today is to be led and to be guided and to be spoken to by God through the power of His Spirit. That's my greatest need. And I'll be a bit frank with you, okay, because your greatest need is the same. That God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, would speak to you and guide you and lead you and correct you that you would live your life in rhythm with the Spirit. So the really good news is, is that God is here. Right now, we are in the presence of God. In fact, when you woke up this morning, you woke up, when you first became aware of your surroundings, you woke up in the presence of God. Last night, you went to bed, you were in the presence of God. In the middle of your day yesterday, whether you were aware of it or not, you were in the presence of God because God is always everywhere. He is omnipresent. But what if we lived our lives with that kind of awareness? What if I live my life in the rhythm of the Spirit of God? And so when we talk about thin places, we're really talking about an awareness, right? And so a thin place we've described as a a place where that distance between heaven and earth seems to vanish. Or where that distance that we sometimes feel from God seems to vanish. It's, it's that place some describe as where the sacred and the mundane come together. The veil that seems to separate this world from the next becomes so sheer that we can almost break through it. it or, or the veil becomes lifted to the point that we can, we can feel and we can experience and we can almost see into the next world. It's, it's to be in the presence of the divine. It is to catch a glimpse of the very glory of God himself. It's, it's a thin place. And the people who introduced the idea were Celtic Christians in the early 500s. And they actually believed there were places. Places that you could identify on a map. Place that you could actually go. A physical place. Whether it was a, a beautiful ocean uh, beach or whether it was a, uh, a mountaintop experience. They, they would identify places, actual places, as thin places. When you go to these places, it seems like the presence of God is much more real to you. And I suppose you could go looking for a thin place. But I think most often thin places come to us. Because the theological foundation for this way of thinking is in the idea that God is himself incarnational. In other words, God comes to us. God speaks to us. God reveals himself to us. God makes himself known. God breaks through into our lives. And we experience thin places. 
And so I've loved this week because throughout this week I have received emails from many of you saying, Pastor Rick, let me tell you about a thin place in my life. And I've read your words. And I'm open to more of you to share with me your thin places. But this is a moment when God came to me, when God spoke to me, when God revealed himself to me, when God moved in my life in a very powerful way. And the distance between me and God seemed to vanish. And I found myself in the presence and I was overwhelmed by God. Andrew Claven is a, uh, a writer, best known for his thrillers. Some made into movies like True Crime. And he was really raised a, um, a Jew outside of New York City. A friend of mine gave me his book and said, I wish you would read a couple of sections here. And I did. He left the faith of his childhood and kind of began to live as an agnostic in the sophisticated atmosphere of cities like London and New York and Los Angeles. But throughout his life, he experienced thin places. In other words, God kept showing up. God kept coming to him because God is incarnational. He does that. God kept breaking through into his life. And at the age of 50, he found himself being baptized as a Christian. And he describes one of those thin places. And I feel like I would be robbing you if I didn't use his exact words because he's quite a writer. He says, when my daughter was born, that became a very thin place. What happened next then was not a vision or an hallucination. It was a spiritual event. I saw it. I actually, Andrew Claven says, felt it. I experienced it as surely as you would experience a kiss on the lips or a punch in the nose. I have never been through anything else like it. It was as real as it seemed impossible. The baby came, and that moment moved me so deeply And the surging torrent of creation swept over me. I love this sentence. The borders of myself shattered like a barrier of glass and out I flowed. (laughs) This experience was over in half a second. Not a full second, only half. In a reflex of fear, I, I regretted that reflex immediately. But what I did was I drew myself back into myself before I could be carried away. And why had I stopped the process? What might I have seen? Where would I have gotten to had I just let it go? Would I have fainted? Would I have died? (laughs) Would I have touched the gates of heaven? Would I have touched the face of God? A thin place. You've had them. You remember what it was like in your life when God broke through and you found yourself in the very presence of God Himself. Hmm. There's another story about a man 
who experienced the birth of a child. And it became for him a very thin place. His name is Abraham, and we've been talking about him for the last few weeks. So grab your Bible, will you, and go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 15, okay? The book of Genesis chapter 15. I'll start with the first verse. Abraham has just been through this um, incredible experience of where he has rescued his nephew Lot. He is tired. He is weary. He has been living as a nomad in tents. Being homeless, it's taken its toll on Abram. He's living with this promise that God has given him. And after the experience of rescuing his nephew Lot, verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1 says this, after this, after this had happened, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision because that's who God is. That's what God does. God breaks through into our lives. And here is Abram, tired and weary and tired of being homeless. And God shows up. God speaks to him. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. I want you to listen closely to Abram's response, okay? But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what what can you give me since I remain childless? I mean, he's, he's 80 by now. And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And, and Abraham said, or Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household, he's going to be my heir. He's going to receive all of my family's wealth. And then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. But a son, listen to this, who is your own flesh and your own blood, he will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abram, billions. Do you remember how Abram is living with this promise that you're going to be the father of many nations? Abram, I'm talking about billions of people will be your offspring. And even though his name is Abram, which means exalted father, now in his 80s, he still has no kids. But listen to the last line, to the last sentence, okay? Abram believed the Lord. (laughs) Really? He did? And this next line is pretty powerful. And he credited it to him as righteousness. What does that mean? There's some kind of connection between belief, faith, and being righteous, right in the eyes, right in your relationship with God. So this is God's Word for us today. Can I talk about you for a minute? Because I think there's something that I know about you. And what I think that I know about you is that deep in your heart, you don't want to ever stop believing that thin places actually exist. That's what I believe about you. I believe that deep in your heart, you want to believe that thin places still exist because deep in your heart, you still want God to speak to you. You remember the first time that God spoke to you. 
Where were you? What was it like? What did you feel? What did you sense? What did you do in response? Were you at church? Was it on a Sunday night? Was it on a Sunday morning? Did your heart start to beat fast? Did you feel like you should go down front? Did you feel like you should do something else? Did you have this sense of, I don't like to be in this position, but did you also have the same sense, but don't ever stop doing this, God. Don't ever stop talking to me. Don't ever stop letting me experience thin places in my life. Don't ever leave me. I kind of like that amen right there. I mean, that's, that's what I felt. And even now, it's not just about me and my own experience and my own relationship with God. It's about people that I love who are not in a right relationship with God. And I have to believe that God is going to give them a thin place, that God is going to come to them, that God is going to reveal Himself to them, that God is going to make Himself known to them, that God is going to call them, that God is still pursuing them. I mean, I can't ever stop believing in thin places. But what do you do when you seem to be absent of them? Or, or when you don't seem to see God's hand moving? What do you do when you find yourself in a place where you're beginning to wonder, is God aware? Is God going to show up? Is God going to keep His promise? Because what happens to Abraham, and this is what I want you to know this morning, is that God always keeps His promises. And in the birth of His Son is where Abraham realized God in that thin place always keeps His promises. But why I want to talk to you about that this morning is because there are times in our lives when we begin to wonder, is God going to keep His promise this time? And that's where we find Abraham in the passage. He's struggling. He's old. He's tired. He's living with this promise. But he's wondering if time is running out. And he says, God, what can you do for me? I mean, I, I, don't, have, I don't have a son. I'm childless. I mean, my heir is going to be Eliezer, my servant. And, and here's what we think he's talking about. We think that where Abram came from, the custom was that if you were childless as a couple you could have a servant that you could adopt, in a sense, who would take care of you in your old age and then would bury you. And in return, that servant whom you had adopted would inherit the wealth of your family. And so that's what we think he's talking about when he says, I'm childless and Eleazar, my servant, is going to inherit my state. We think that's what he's referring to. And God speaks. Not only, Abram, am I your shield and your provider, your protection, but I'm going to give you a son of your own flesh and blood. You know, um, I think you've been and I've been where Abram was. Because what I hear Abram saying is, I want to believe. I'm telling you, God, I really do. I mean, I want to believe. 
but I'm not seeing what I think I should see happening. And so some of you are there right now. God, I, I want to believe. You know, I do. I mean, in my heart, I want to I want to be that person of faith. I just want to I just want to reach up and just believe with everything in me, but I'm just not I'm just not seeing what I think I should see right now. I went to visit uh, Sue Watson this week. It's important to me to share this with you this morning. Sue is at this place in her life where that she's in this fight with cancer. And, and the doctors have concluded that, that cancer has probably won. And so they're at a place of no more treatment. And they're at a place of um, hospice coming to her home and a hospital bed in her living room where she can be with family and friends and I sat down in a chair beside her bed and we talked some small talk for a few minutes and finally I said uh, Sue I've been praying for you I've been thinking about you how, how how are you doing and you might be thinking okay you're a pastor and that's the best you got how you doing but, but I truly wanted to, how are you doing emotionally? How are you doing in, in your thinking about faith and God? And how, how are you doing with all of that? And here's what Sue says to me. Now, she's not old, okay? She's 73. I think she's 73. I hope she's okay with me saying she's 73. <laughs> Let me just add to that, a very regal woman. And a young 73. She is young. How are you doing? Big smile on her face. I'm doing really good, Pastor Rick. I just can't believe how much peace I have. I look over at Lyndall, her husband, and he shrugs his shoulders. She's doing better than I am, he said. I, l- I look back at her and I said, Really? Yes. You just come to grips that, that this is what it is and I'm not going to be fearful and I'm not going to be angry and I'm not going to be right. She said, I believe God could heal me if He wanted to. Still yet, even now. But if He doesn't, I'm at such peace. Uh, this made me laugh. She said, somebody said to me the other day, Sue, are you just saying that or are you really at that much peace? And she said, here was my response. Let me tell you something, okay? When you are as close to heaven, when you are as close to death as I am, one thing you do not do is lie, okay? Yes, I really am at peace. And, and when you talk to her, you're convinced. She said, I'm not going to suffer. We, we can increase my medicine. And she looks at me and says, what a gift. Okay, so you want to talk about trust? I mean, that, that is a picture of trust in my mind. That is, okay, God, I trust you. I mean, what, whatever happens, whatever is going on here, I, 
you know, my life is in your hands, God. I'm, I'm trusting you. I, I believe in you, God. In the midst of this whole mess, my life is in your hands. You got it. I mean, that is the ultimate, in my mind, picture of trust. And when the writer of Genesis writes about Abraham and the situation that he's in, living with this promise that God has made, but not seeing anything happen for years now, and here's what the writer says, Abraham believed. He trusted. God, I still believe in you. I trust you. I mean, that's trust, right? Paul latches onto that when he writes his letters to the churches in the New Testament. And it's the first time really that we see the word believe in the Bible is right here in Genesis chapter 15. And Paul grabs hold of that and he realizes that this basis of obtaining salvation is based on belief that you put your trust in God, that you put your trust in Jesus. And, and he says, here's what happened to Abraham. I mean, it was because he trusted God that he was made righteous. It's through faith that you are made righteous. It's not like if you can be good enough, then somehow you might get yourself to heaven. No, you made righteous because you believe. It's through faith, not by works. Nobody boasts and say, I did it. I got myself there. What a powerful message that you find in that last sentence. That's how he was made righteous. So let me, let me tell you some more story, okay? And so life keeps moving on, and there still is no baby boy. And finally, Abram and Sarai began to struggle. And do they begin to doubt? And finally, Sarah has this idea. She says... You know, Abram, God said it would be your own flesh and blood, but he didn't say it would be mine. And I've got this maidservant, Hagar, and why don't you sleep with Hagar? And maybe if you sleep with Hagar, then I can, I can build a family through her. I mean, maybe we could help God out. Maybe we could speed God up. Maybe we could, you know, get involved ourselves here a little bit. It sounds completely ridiculous to us. It's a custom that was not that uncommon in Abram's day. And he does. He's trying to be a good husband, so he goes and sleeps with the maid. And Ishmael is born. But instead of making things better, it makes things worse. And there's jealousy. And there's tension. And finally, Hagar takes that little boy and she faces the wilderness alone. She is banished from the community. So what do you do? You believe and you keep believing even when you can't see God's hand moving. You keep believing and you keep believing and you keep believing and you keep believing. I've been tempted to ask if there's an 80-year-old woman who would be willing to, to, uh, to come up and stand beside me this morning, but I don't know that I should ask that question. But if you wave at me, I'll just know you're okay with it. But otherwise, I'll assume you're not. What if I had an 80-year-old woman standing by me today and I said to you, see this 80-year-old woman? 
she's going to have a baby. <laughs> Neat, huh? But that's the story. He's 99. She's approaching 80. And there's another thin place. God breaks through into Abraham's life and says, within a year, you're going to be a daddy. And sure enough, they name him Isaac. That moment when you realize that God has kept an unconditional promise. Thin place. Can you imagine when Abram looked into the face of that little baby, not only being overwhelmed by creation, but realized that God kept a promise. Thin place. In the last year, something happened in my life where I believe that God assured me of something. And I remember the morning I got the phone call and I just started kind of going, "Woo!" <laughs> you know, I mean, it was thin place. God kept a promise. Before we celebrate too much, can we just back up for a minute, just call a little time out and say, you know what? In my mind, that whole Hagar Ishmael thing, that whole trying to get an heir another way, I mean, I think that was enough to allow God to renege on his end of the deal, okay? I mean, I'm just saying that I think once that happened, it's like, God, you are not obligated anymore. There wasn't a deal. There was never a deal. There was a promise. Don't confuse deals and promises. Many times I open the Word of God and I say, that's a promise. That's not a deal. I will never leave you, Rick Harvey. I will never forsake you. I will never turn my back on you. That's a promise. That's not a deal. Reach up this morning. Grab hold of that promise. And just hang on and believe and believe and believe. And I love this part of the story where Sarah laughs because her name is now Sarah. His name is now Abraham. And she laughs and she says, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah will nurse a child? But yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I read this week about a mom who said we often say to each other, how was your day? And we usually get some kind of pat answer back that says it was okay. It was good. I'm tired. But she said with my kids, when I tuck them in bed at night after I've brushed their teeth and their hair is still wet from the bathtub and I pull the covers up around them, I don't ask them how their day was. You know what I asked them? I asked them, so where did you see God today? And sometimes they say, someone helped me. 
or I saw a homeless person in a park, or I saw the prettiest flower you've ever seen in your life, Mommy. And then I tell them where I saw God today. And then the stuff of our day becomes the substance of our prayer life before we go to sleep. I'm here to tell you that there are thin places all around. God is bursting through everywhere. God is keeping His promises every day. It's just that you and I have become so distracted that we don't see it. And our greatest need today is to be led by God by the power of His Holy Spirit for God to speak to us, for God to guide us, for God to correct us by the power of His Spirit, for God to break through into our lives, to live in rhythm with the Spirit. Amen. So one of the things that I love about getting to celebrate the Lord's Supper together is that we celebrate the fact that He is where? Here. We just celebrate the fact that He is here, His presence. Is prayer anything more or anything less than being aware of His presence. He's here. This is a thin place. The God who created everything is here right now. He's among us. And so let's celebrate His presence together. So let's all stand. And those of you who are going to serve us, would you please come at this time? When the tray is passed in a moment, you'll receive two cups that are stacked together. And one of the cups is the bread and the other cup is the juice. You can take the bread and put it in one hand and even restack the cups if that's best for you. And then if you will hold everything until everybody has been served and we will eat and we will drink together, okay? We practice open communion, meaning that you don't have to be a member of this church. I would even say this to you. If you are seeking Jesus today, receive this grace with us.
Jesus with his disciples took bread and he broke it. And he said to them, this is my body that is broken for you. Take it and eat it. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for the ransom of many. Take it and drink it, all of you. time on this last verse. I will not boast in anything, nor gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and God is with you everywhere you go, and His Spirit fills you to do His work. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great week. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.